That's what I, that's what I wanted for me. Uh, my wife started sobbing, which was really good. So anyway, I drove down there, and I get in the house, and my, um, my, my mom lives on the south side, um, about 45 minutes from our house. I get there, and when I get there, like, uh, my mom's brother and my mom's sister and my mom's mom and my two sisters are there. Like, I'm the, la- I'm the last one there. And I walk in, and um, everybody gives me a hug. And I'm still kind of in this stupor, right? And then uh, Maria's like, do you, uh, you want to come upstairs? Um, we're still waiting on the ambulance. So I went upstairs and went to my mom's bedroom, and my mom uh, had died in her bathroom. And um, she was on the bathroom floor, covered in a yellow sheet. And, you know, I just kind of stood there with my sisters. I have two sisters, younger sisters. Just stood there and sort of were like in shock. Um, But I was there all morning and mom's body was removed about 30 minutes later. (sighs) And a lot of thoughts crossed my mind, and they still do. And a lot of things were said. But one of the things that didn't cross my mind was to pray and command her to get up. What do you do in the face of death and destruction? What do you do? What do you, what's your go-to? Uh, I go numb and make jokes. I don't know if you could tell. Some of us weep, like my wife. Some of us uh, get angry, start punching things. Some of us round up all the malt liquor we can find and have a party. It never occurred to me to pray for her resuscitation because in that moment, death had won. It was final. It was victorious. She'd been dead for almost 24 hours. But today, friends, thanks to the lectionary, were confronted with this good news. That even though the world is full of death and destruction, that bondage and decay are all around us. But today we declare the good news that Jesus has defeated death. He's overthrown the powers of destruction, He's broken the chains of bondage and decay. He stole the keys to Hades and He's made copies to give to his friends. And we have the opportunity to receive our commission today as agents of new creation, as heralds of the resurrection. The story uh, in Acts is told in such a way to, uh, this is how Jews told stories, and even Greeks, they would tell stories that had patterns and allusions to older stories it's kind of like our music today. Um, Deacon was listening to this song about, uh, this rap song about this guy riding a horse. I don't know if you guys have heard this song, uh, but he's playing it. Ani, can I get a witness? 
what's it? I don't know what it's called. I'm on a, I'm on a rattle. Uh, anyway, so do you know this song? Old Town something or other? Old Town Road. Anyway, I'm, I'm listening to this song, and, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I feel old. I feel old when I listen to sometimes these songs. I'm like, you turn down the bass, and will that, can that young man please start speaking slower? Um, but uh, as I'm listening to the song, I'm realizing, oh, I recognize that beat, or I recognize that sample, or I recognize that phrase. So, like, this song has a couple beats and samples that this artist has pulled in from other music. And there's a few phrases that other artists coined that they now bring into the song, right? So there's always sampling happening in our music. This is how Jews told stories. They sampled plots, words, phrases, sequences. And they were meant to create more meaning, not less. Okay? That's the only, that's the only um, illustration I can make to help us understand how Jews and Greeks told stories. So Luke is telling the story to call to mind stories from Elisha and Elijah and Jesus. This is the kind of stuff that happens when the Holy Spirit is on people. And the story is about um, this woman who has two names. Uh, her Greek name is Dorcas, and the Jewish name is, uh, or the Aramaic name is Tabitha. And I- I'm telling you, commentators are like, why does he say two names? And there's like one commentary I read that had like two pages on, you know, what these names mean. And what, I- I'm just, it's too, si- it's simple for me. Like if your Greek parents named you Dorcas, you'd go by your Aramaic. <laughs> Super clear to me. So we'll call her Tabitha, because I'm sure that's the way she'd want it. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how you deal with death. I tell jokes. There's a lot of things we could talk about here, but I just want you to notice what Peter says in verse 40. Peter, uh, we're told that he put everybody out of the room and that he prays. I don't know what he prays. We don't know. But what we are told, he says, is Tabitha, get up. And I read this text two weeks ago to prepare to preach, and, I, and, and sometimes it takes me like 10 hours to figure out what my good news proclamation is going to be, and sometimes it takes me 10 seconds. And immediately I was struck with, I don't ever pray for healing like that. I mean, let's just take dead people off the table. No pun intended. Let's just, let's just take dead people, put, put them out of the equation. If someone is sick, I don't pray for healing the way I see Jesus, Peter, and Paul pray for healing. There's a difference. I pray something like, permit me to make fun of myself, God, please do something for me right now. Uh, if, you, if you don't mind, if you're not too busy, would you do me a solid Maybe anything, like, and if you don't want to heal, then maybe just bring comfort. And if you don't want to bring comfort, then maybe just, like, whatever you want to do, God, (laughs) or not do, if it's according to your will or not will, we love you. Amen. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? 
I pray to God like a beggar who's looking for scraps from his miracle table. Like a slave who obviously, honestly, does, God, I'm unworthy, but if you wanted to do something here, it wouldn't suck. That's not how Peter prays. Peter, I pray like a beggar. Peter prays like a son, like an authorized agent, like his best friend went down to Hades, stole the keys and made copies and gave him one. Peter doesn't ask God to do him a favor. He just assumes God has already said yes. I've uh, been reading scripture for a long time and I did a pretty quick search this week and I tested it with a couple other big uh, fat-headed Bible knowledge people. I can't think of one time when a healing occurs in scripture where the person through whom God heals prays the way I do. Friends, we live in a world full of death and destruction where, where bondage and decay are oppressive and present and real. And it seems like death wins. But today we proclaim the good news that Jesus has defeated death. He's brought victory over death and decay. He's defeated the enemy, which is death. And he's gifted us a share in the bringing of this new creation. He's gone down to Hades and he stole the keys and he made copies to the gates of hell. And he's given them to his friends. Today, friends, can we dare to receive our commission? Will you accept your copy in new creation, resurrection life? We're going to pray like Peter pretty soon. So gird up your loins if they're not girded already. Not because we think, I don't know, I, I don't know. I, I, actually, I actually think Peter, when he kicked everybody out and he was praying, this is just total speculation. I think Peter was just getting his mind right. Like, God, I'm not going to beg you. I know, you're here. I know you're here. I know you're the author of life. And I'm just going to command her to get up and uh, do what you do. Amen. <laughs> like, I think that was what his prayer was. So here's the pitfalls before we do this. Some of you are like, I picked this day to come to church. This day? I don't have faith for this day. It's Mother's Day. Where's the flowers and the chicken soup stories? Well, I shared, I shared my Mother's Day story. I hope you're happy. I use humor. It's better than malt liquor. Here's the pitfalls. Um, one is that we think that if nothing happens, we don't have enough faith. I think that's saying more than we can say. The other is if we pray for somebody for healing and nothing happens, that they don't have enough faith. I think that's saying more than we can say. 
Um, I, I do think that um, when I have been in places where people have prayed for healing, um, it's almost like they read that passage where Jesus taught us to pray about like not heaping up the words like Gentiles do, but God knows what you need before you ask, and they thought, nah. <laughs> what God needs is all my words. So sometimes we think we have to unlock God's mercy through like the accumulation of God's attributes and words. I think that's a pitfall. I think maybe, um, I think maybe like Zeus functions like that, but not Yahweh. And if nothing happens, it means that either you did it wrong or God doesn't exist. I, can I just say that none of those things have helped me learn how to pray? Specifically praying, holding the keys that God has given me as his son, as his daughter, as his agent. So, um, we're going to stand against death and destruction today. You with me? And the good news is you don't need the right words. In fact, uh, I'm going to give you a little phrase just to pray. I'm not sure that, not sure that the right words either, by the way. But that doesn't, that's not what brings new creation. Right? Uh, before I do that, I just want to share with you something I did this week. I, I threw up on my Facebook post when I realized, like, two weeks ago when I read this, uh, I realized, I think I have to preach this message, and that's really going to suck for me. Um, because I don't know if I have, like I said, I don't know if I have enough faith for this. And um, I just was like, hey, Facebook, um, what do you think about gun control? No, I didn't do that. I, <laughs> I do that other days. <laughs> Healthcare? Um, no, I didn't do that. Uh, what I said is, hey, who has a story? Who has a miracle story they want to share? So can I just read you a couple stories? Multiple people who've worked in Palestine and the Middle East share stories of miraculous dreams where Muslims or uh, other people have dreams of Jesus. Jesus comes to them in dreams um, and speaks truth to them. And they wake up and they become Christian. Uh, one person told a story of a boat of people traveling from Turkey to Greece. It was a family with a small girl and they saw the small girl go over the side of the boat and they were freaked out. And they looked over, they couldn't find her anywhere. They turned around and she was sitting on the other side of the boat dry. And they asked her, "Where? what happened? Where would you go? And she said, I fell in but a man dressed in white picked me up and put me here. And they're like, and they get off the boat in Greece and a street evangelist comes up to them and declares the gospel and he uses the story of Jesus walking on water. And they all become Christians. And my friend interviewed the street evangelist and he said, I've never shared that story in street evangelism before and have never done it again. Just felt like the right way to proclaim the gospel that day. Uh, a friend of mine was a college pastor and he had, an ex he had a, uh, a college ministry and it was the first month of school and an exchange student from China who spoke fairly poor English, was there. And um, he wasn't a Christian. He just was, you know, came with a group of friends to this Christian event. And as the college pastor was proclaiming the gospel in English, this Chinese person heard the gospel in Chinese. 
And so much so that he went up to him afterwards, speaking to him in Chinese, asking him, how, how is your Chinese so fluent? And my friend's like, do you know English? Because I don't know Chinese. He became a Christian. A friend of mine used to uh, self-harm by cutting herself on her arms and her legs. And someone prayed over her scars and she watched them disappear before her eyes. Like physically go away. And her husband saw it too. Death and destruction are everywhere. And bondage and decay threaten to squelch, to crush the mustard seed under the heel of the enemy. But today we proclaim that Jesus has defeated death. He went down to Hades and he stole the keys and he made copies and he gives them, commissions us. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to us to stand against death and destruction, to proclaim hope, healing, new life, redemption in the midst of corpses and graves. Uh, I had a friend that was sick for years with a small vessel. She calls it a small vessel neuropathy. This sounds really bad. I wish Amanda was in here. She could translate this for us. <laughs> and fibromyalgia, I know what that is. And a uh, couple other words here. I'm not really sure this. But she says, uh, I, honestly, I can't even, esophagitis is one of the words. But anyway, she was healed instantly during a service at my church. I felt something lift off of me and all my symptoms disappeared right then and there. Scans and other tests the next day showed complete normal and healthy bones, normal blood tests, normal biopsies. No signs of EE, which is esophenophilic esophagitis. She says, um, I tried. <laughs> Weaned off of 24 medications under doctor supervision during the next six months. And I've been healthy for four years. A friend of mine says, before I became a believer, I found out I was pregnant and decided to have an abortion. I went and had the abortion. Went back for my checkup, I was still pregnant. So I had the procedure again. When they did the sano to check, I was still pregnant. I was referred to the hospital, and after another sonogram, the doctor came in and said, I want you to consider you may be pregnant for a reason. I decided that day to keep my baby. I received grace and the truth of the gospel 12 days before he was born. He just turned nine, and he's amazing. Final, I can share a lot of these. I'm, I'm going to share one more. I can never preach under 30 minutes. This is awful. Uh, I teach music lessons, and I often pray at the beginning of my lessons. My piano student named Faith, and her mom came. <sighs> and her mom, another reason you don't name your daughter Death, okay? Just, if you needed another one, there it is. Uh, her mom Karen shared that she needed prayer for a tennis ball-sized ovarian cyst tumor that was scheduled to be removed via surgery. So I brought eight-year-old Faith over to pray for her mom. Listen to this. She laid hands on her mom's belly and repeated after me, I command the cyst to disappear in Jesus' name. It's a little closer to what Peter says. Then we went on with piano lesson. A couple weeks later, came back and Karen's latest scan said that the, you know, uh, the doctors are baffled, but the tumor completely disappeared and surgery was canceled. Um, friends, I haven't raised the dead. I, don't, uh, I pray for healing like a beggar, like I said. There was this one thing that happened to me two years ago. We're, I'm going to share this and then we're going to pray. We were at a conference, Ben and I and um, some other friends. And we have a friend named Amber. And um, I asked her, we, we had listened to this talk, and I asked her how she was doing 
And I really should have probably talked to you about this, Ben, because the, the details are fun. But she was like really in lots of back pain. She was like, my, my back is killing me. I can barely pay attention. And um, I had a lot of coffee that day, very little sleep. And I was just feeling, um, sometimes I get in these moods where I feel a little um, ornery. I think that's fair? Okay. And so uh, I was like, well, Amber, we should pray for you. And it's you and me and Seth, another priest friend of ours, right? And Amber. And I was like, let's pray. But I was like, I forget what I said. I probably, I probably swore. swore. Um, I said, let's not pray any of these bullcrap prayers, like begging God to do something. If we're going to pray for this back, let's just like command it to get better. And I was like looking at Ben and Seth, and they're like, you don't have to be a prick. You know, we get, you don't have to talk to me like I'm six, right? So, like, I was, I was, like, trying to, like, call people into, like, praying for healing, and I've, I was kind of a jerk. I think I was kind of a jerk, uh, but, like, in a funny way, which is the story of my life. So, so, anyway, we just, we laid hands on Amber, and we started praying, and I got this picture of the Golden Gate Bridge. You guys know the Golden Gate Bridge? And, you know, um, those giant cables that run up, and they're, like, these huge cords of wire, and as I prayed, I got this picture of this huge cord coming out of her back that was like cinching her shoulder blades together. So I just spoke it. I just said, hey, this, this is the picture I'm getting. Like I'm seeing the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm zooming in on this cable, and it's attached to your shoulder blades. And I was like, I'm just going to pray that that would go away. So I think I prayed like a beggar still. Uh, I didn't even take my own advice. Um, but I prayed over that. Like, I don't know, a year later, we saw Amber again, and she's like, hey, I wanted to tell you. I went to the doctor later that week. Well, she felt better right away. She felt better. It was like, okay, I'm glad we prayed. Let's go get some lunch. So like a year later, she said, hey, uh, I didn't tell you this, but I went to the doctor, and they did an uh, MRI or like an X-ray on my back, and the doctor's like, I've never seen this before, but you, you have, uh, you have she, he called it, you have soft connective tissue like a cable that's, drawing your two shoulder blades together and creating your back pain. And she said it was a real simple procedure. They just went in there and snipped it, and it was better. And she's like, I just want you to know that like, I think that was God speaking to you. And I was like, it's because we didn't pray to those bullcrap prayers I warned him about. <laughs> Friends, um, I, don't know why, I don't know why sometimes we pray and things don't happen. I don't know. I don't know why Paul can raise the dead when he preaches too long, and then he has to leave like one of his ministry buddies with a cold in Miletus and can't take him with him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we have to figure all that out. I just think we stand against death and darkness with the keys. And we let God do what he does. Are you with me? So let's pray together in response to this, this good news that we've been invited to participate in resurrection, new creation. I mean, Peter can say, Tabitha, get up. We can submit these things to God. So here's the prayer of response. Heavenly Father, we pray today not as beggars or slaves, but as your authorized agents of healing and redemption. This morning we stand against death and destruction in blank. And I just encourage you, as much faith as you have, just name whatever it is. Maybe it's something you need healing physically of. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken. Maybe it's a person who is living in darkness and destruction and death. And just stand against it. Yeah. Yeah. And then just say, Lord, in your mercy. And we'll say here our prayer.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray today not as beggars or slaves, but as your authorized agents of healing and redemption. This morning, we stand against death and destruction in my sister Beth's body. She has diabetes. She has a fissure in her body that requires surgery. I proclaim healing over her body. I don't have needles. I don't have thread. I don't have pain meds. But what I have, I give you, Beth. Be healed. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, not as a beggar or a slave, but as an authorized agent of your healing and redemption. We pray against the death and destruction of children. Those torn from their families, those uh, who never have a chance to have a family, those who's lost their families and are now conscripted into wars. God, we say enough, no more. Welcome them onto your lap. Lord, in your mercy. God, bind us up. Um, I, I sense a real tenderness in myself, Lord, about I feel like there's a lot at, to lose here for me as I pray audacious prayers. I think I, I, think I don't pray them because I don't want to be disappointed. And so, Lord, I pray uh, for faith, belief on our behalf. I pray for a, eyes to see New creation. God, I, I repent of my materialism and my naturalism that keeps me from seeing you at work in the world in ways that others can see. And God, we want to be people that uh, don't have a quirky obsession with miracles, but just a humble expectation of them. Would you make us a charismatic sacramental people. Teach us to see you in the sacrament so we can see you in the healing of a body. We pray all this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.